Hey everyone, it's another episode, new week of Find Your Film, the Find Your Film podcast. This is episode 137. We have a lot of things to get to, a lot of really cool movies to get to. But before we get to that, co-host Eric Holmes, aka Accident Man, Eric's Holiday. You, by the way, for our YouTube watchers, Eric Holmes has a picture, a JPEG of, of Accident Man. What is What's the film? Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday, a photo from that with Scott Atkins. Is this a good week for you, Eric Holmes, since we're going to be doing some Scott Atkins discussion this week? Any day, any week that involves scott atkins is a good week for me okay i'm gonna put you on the spot favorite scott atkins film someone comes up to you say what's the one scott atkins movie that what that i'm gonna love that you're gonna love that i don't know but just, say, just anyone my, ran, randomly it, randomly as far as my favorite it used to be probably undisputed three but then one shot came out so i think it's a one shot okay there's a movie i think from a couple of years ago at the latest called one shot i think it was released last year yeah. i mean eric really loved it bruce enjoyed it as well so bruce you liked one shot too you let you like, i did enjoyed. yeah okay, so, Hopefully, Bruce maybe have hopefully has some really nice things to say about Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. That is the latest release from Scott Adkins. We're also going to be covering a coming-of-age zombie family drama thing <laughs> called The Loneliest Boy in the World, which is kind of weird, maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way. Eric and Bruce will be spearheading that review. I also saw that. I was not able to see the Scott Adkins film, but at least all three of us were able to see The Loneliest Boy in the World. Those are our two features. Before we get to them, though, there is a little bit of a promotion that we have for this week because both Bruce and Eric recently guested on another podcast. Bruce, can you tell us what you and Eric did the past week? I guess we are the guinea pigs for the first release or official release on the Force 5 podcast Patreon feed. But they made the episode that we're on free as a, as a teaser, or as I like to say to Jason Kleberg, the host and creator of that podcast, I like to say that he's offering us to people like free drugs. So they get hooked <laughs> <laughs> and then they have to come back and pay for it. But um, anyway, yes, we're on there. If you haven't listened to it, you should go check it out. And we would love to get your vote because basically Eric and I were pitted against each other to come up with our top five Kurt Russell movies. The problem with that is once the movie has been picked by one of us, we are not allowed to pick that one for ourselves. So then we have to pick a different movie and still try to get the best list. So the question is, who ended up coming with up with the best list overall? Did you listen to it yet, Greg? Oh, I don't listen to anything. So no, I, I, I listened to about 15 minutes of it. And then I said, oh, it's Bruce and Erica here, my buddies. I'm going to stop listening to this. <laughs> I heard no, it. No, I'm gonna li- I'm, just kidding. I'm going to listen to the, the rest. It sounds really interesting what you guys had with Jason and the whole voting for the best top five. I haven't gotten to each of your top fives yet. So, so Greg, quick, quick. What would your, your top five be? Top five would be, I don't know, not in any order, but the one movie that really comes to mind is Breakdown. There's a movie called Breakdown. I'm sure that made one of your list, one of the 15, like maybe Jason or maybe Eric or Bruce's list. I, I guess you guys can't spoil that. Also, Escape from LA, kidding. Escape from New York, The Thing. Right? <laughs> so, Eric, thanks. You laughed at my dad joke. Yeah, yeah, Escape from LA wasn't so bad. It wasn't uh, uh, bad keep, keep listening to the, the episode, <laughs> the episode and, yes. and you'll know why I'm laughing. Okay, so... <laughs> So anyways, and also obviously Tombstone. So those are the four that really come to mind. Actually, there's a little bit bit of a subcategory that movies that Kurt Russell did that I wish I saw. Two movies, Tequila Sunrise, number one. And number two is this other movie called Soldier. I still have not seen Soldier and it looks really badass in Soldier. Hopefully Soldier made one of your lists. I'm assuming it might have made Jason's list because Jason loves these really interesting selections. We'd love to hear what's on his list, what's on Eric Holmes' list, what's on Bruce Perky's list. You have to listen to 
the Force 5 podcast hosted by Jason Kleberg. And this, I guess, guinea pig, right, Bruce? It's part of the whole Patreon thing. It's a free Patreon episode for the listeners to see whether or not they want to join that Patreon community. Yes, correct. Exactly. Oh, and just so you know, we're not going to say, but your four that you listed, one did not make either of our lists. Mm Mm-hmm. One of them did not. Wow. I'm trying to, I'll tell you one thing that may definitely. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If, if neither of you pick Breakdown, then, oh my gosh, that is weird because that movie is. Yeah. By the way, Kurt, little Kurt Russell thing, he was talking about Breakdown. I did the Breakdown junket. And during the thing, he was just talking about the fa- people's fascination with thrillers and crime dramas like Breakdown was. Great movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it. So such a tense film. But he said, I remember I'm paraphrasing. He said, it's kind of like watching pornography. He he said it's an impressed John kid. It's kind of like watching pornography. You just can't take your eyes away just from looking from what's in front of you. So I don't know. I, I have no idea about pornography. I, I don't know anything about that whole genre of cinema. I don't know if you you or Eric, you or Bruce know anything about that. Very I, familiar. We're, we're, we're what? Yes, Eric? Yeah. I said I'm very familiar. I'm very very familiar. Oh, I mean, Eric's read, right? Bruce, Eric's read some literature about it, some an- analyses, yeah. right? Analyses? Is that, a, is that a word? Has he read some analyses uh, on pornography? Some Anais, Anaises, Nins. <laughs> Anaises, Nins. Very, very good. Anais, Nins. Let's shout out to that wonderful writer of memoirs, The Diary of Anais, Nins. I don't know if the, she ever watched pornography in her life. But anyways, check that out. They're only her, the most famous erotica ever written by a woman, probably. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't read. I'm, I'm not a big reader. I'm sure, Bruce, during your salad days, you might have read during your Henry Miller Anais Nin stage. Maybe I'm assuming. Sure. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? Delta Venus, you know. Oh, very good. Very good. Throwing out some literature. Eric Holmes, am I am I coming in okay? And is Bruce a little bit not coming in okay? Or is, or is it me? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, okay. I can hear you. Bruce, are you, you're back? Okay. Okay. I'm so back. you're back. Okay. So then also the, for- The censors- froze me for my terrible ways. <laughs> Very good. So also we have a couple of recommendations. We have one recommendation. If you see from our YouTube, there is a animation film that Bruce Berkey will be talking about. I don't even know if it's a film. It might be a series. It's called Over the Garden Wall. It's streaming at your new favorite streaming service. Bruce, going corporate on us. Where's the stream? Where's Over the Garden Wall streaming now? Hulu, HBO. HBO. Max. HBO Max. Wow, Bruce. Moving on up with the streaming services. I thought you were always a stand for Shutter, and then Eric Holmes, you have a oh my goodness, no Shutter recommendations this week. What's going on with us, guys? You have a series or a movie called A Trip to Infinity, Eric. Yeah, it's a documentary, about a little over an hour long. Okay, I, I was reading on IMDb that this documentary makes you think, and I'm not a fan of those kind of documentaries. So we'll see. Maybe we might we might spend all, all five seconds. Bruce, are you a fan of uh, things that make you think, like A Trip to Infinity? No, they make my brain hurt if I have to Thanks think too much. <laughs> they make your brain hurt. What my we, brain hurts. My brain. Does Definitely hurts. And then we're going to round out the show with a very quick spotlight on the director, James Bridges. We will be spotlighting the movies Urban Cowboy and Perfect. Yet again, Eric Holmes, we're finally getting to James Bridges. Why James Bridges for your director spotlight for this week? I was just uh, looking at his filmography and the movies I've seen, I liked a lot. And one of the movies, Urban Cowboy, I've seen a bunch. Perfect, I hadn't seen up until recently. And so I was uh, curious to see if the rest of his filmography lives up to the one, the movies I've already seen, and we'll see how that goes. You know, I'm not a writer, 
per se, but if I actually had a like a website on my deepest dream website, if I actually did a movie review on Perfect, my title would be Perfect Movie Review Dash It Isn't. We'll get to that. We'll get to to what we think of Perfect. If it's perfect or misperfect or unperfect or absolutely horrible, maybe I'm misdirecting it. Maybe I actually like the movie. We'll see. John Travolta is a journalist, and there's a a lot of I'm I'm not going to say jazzercise. There's a lot of aerobics with Jamie Lee Curtis. So it should be interesting. Some really interesting moments with Perfect. But before we get to James Bridges, let's get to Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. Eric, I'm going to throw this over to you. Let's. It's in theaters, digital and on demand on Friday, October 14th. Number two, it's an it's a Scott Atkins film. What is this movie very quickly about? And would you recommend it to the lay viewer? All right, Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday is a sequel to Accident Man, the Jesse V. Johnson joint. This one is not directed by Jesse V. Johnson, but it has a, a couple of uh, returning characters from the first one that didn't die in the first one. This one's all, also feels like more of a comedy than the last one did. Wait, uh, is that a good thing or wait, first of all, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And did you miss Jesse V. Johnson this time around? I did miss Jesse V. Johnson. I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but the comedy really worked for me. Just comedy subjective. The stuff I find funny is the stuff that usually makes Bruce roll his eyes. So we'll see what he thinks of this. I thought this uh, worked pretty well as an action comedy, probably more so as a uh, action movie or more so as a comedy than an action movie. Cause, and this goes with the Jesse B. Johnson. I like how Jesse B. Johnson shoots action, but anyway, the, the action scenes are great because anytime you got a uh, Scott Atkins and because okay. I, I'm not prepared at all. Hitman. Well, Eric's pulling that out. Bruce <laughs> accident, man, Hitman's holiday. I don't know. You've never seen Accident Man. Are you going to go back and watch the first one after watching this sequel? Um, I would be interested. So that's a good sign, I guess. But I also would say I, you know, so I jumped in and this is a sequel and I didn't need like a refresher. I didn't need to figure out what was going on. So it's pretty basic as far as like, okay, he's a hitman. He's literally on a holiday, kind of. And there's some people we're going to meet along the way and we're going to get a story. And yeah. You, you can figure it out without without having the, I guess, the background. Although I could tell there was a couple of characters that came in like, okay, they give little teeny little flashbacks of like something that happened in the first one. So I know that, that okay, those guys had a little history. I would probably be slightly enriched by knowing, but it, I don't think it was necessary as all. The accident man is back this time around and he must beat the top assassins in the world to protect the ungrateful son of a mafia boss, save the life of his only friend, and rekindle his relationship with his maniacal father figure. It co-stars Ray Stevenson. I feel horrible that I missed out on this movie. Eric Holmes was how was Ray Stevenson in this movie? Is he, I'm assuming, maybe the bad guy or maybe the good guy? I don't know. He's, he he was in the uh, first movie. He's like the... Handler? So in, the, in the first movie, he's like the, the head guy that gets the... Hey, and he, you know, he's the guy that hires the assassins to go on jobs. In this one, Scott Atkins and Perry Benson, who plays Finnick E. Fred, they kind of meet each other uh, across the pond and they kind of start doing jobs over there. And then so Ray Stevenson's the guy that comes in is like, oh, you guys are doing work without me. What the hell is this? So he feels kind of betrayed a little bit. And then you'll get into the you'll get into the story of what all that means and how that I, I don't know how much of this is a spoiler. I don't think it really matters too much because a lot of these type of movies, you're there to watch the action. And in this case, the story is there to hang a bunch of jokes and a bunch of action on it. And so that's why, you know, it's kind of a cheeseburger type movie. And I also want to point out Sarah Chang, her character 
character in this is freaking hilarious. Uh, Scott Atkins or Mike Fallon is the character's name, but I like to call him Scott Atkins because I love him so much. But Mike Fallon hires Sarah Chang's character to basically beat him up. I guess uh, whenever he goes, does a hit on someone, murders someone, he likes to have her beat him up because it kind of centers him somehow. <laughs> She's fucking awesome in this. She's kind of kind of an asshole, but like a funny asshole. And it's a really great character. In fact, th- this movie has a bunch of great characters. I think Bruce, maybe in, in the chat, didn't you compare it to like Mortal Kombat or something like that? Yeah, either Mortal Kombat or maybe Street Fighter. I, I think Mortal Kombat is probably a better comparison because how every time a new like bad person, you know, bad guy nemesis comes up to face him, they kind of have the little cut scene, cut like animation of that character and they introduce them as whatever they are. And then you have like a battle and there's even finishing moves, which I was kind of surprised by these kind of gory finishing moves. I'll throw it back to you. But one thing I was going to mention is I believe the, and I would say Sarah, Sarah Chang. Yes. Exclamation point. Sarah Chang's amazing. Yes. You were saying that she was stealing that she almost stole the show for you. Almost. I mean, she probably because I wasn't expecting her. You know what I mean? I was expecting him, but I wasn't expecting her to be much. But um, she gets a lot to do in here. She kind of plays a role similar to, if you remember the really old Pink Panther movies, where Inspector Clouseau would have himself every every movie he'd get surprised by, I think it was Cato, would surprise him and sneak fight him every every different movie. And it's kind of an homage to that. But but she can really fight really great in this movie. And I was look, looking at her action reel offline and, and I was going, wow, she is has been in a lot of great things so i have to look out for her in other stuff but yeah i'll go go ahead eric <laughs> continue oh, very yeah. good bruce kato fong kato fong is the name of that pink panther character bruce very good so eric you're saying so anyway i guess the only thing i would have against this movie it's not a it's not a big one it's just why i probably would have loved to see jesse v johnson come back was that the fights in this are really good but i like i think i like jesse v johnson's kind of eye for that a little more the fights in this one were shot kind of really showy that's not really my style when i'm watching action movies I, i i like the camera back and locked in they do wonderful choreography in these things so it's great when the camera just kind of gets out of the way and it doesn't really do that in here the camera's a little too showy for my taste but the action scenes are still really cool the fights are really cool the characters are awesome i think this one has a lot more personality than the one before it these are kind of like the stuff i didn't like about the first one i liked in this and the stuff i didn't like in this i liked in the first one so these two kind of marry each other pretty well i think sounds like a pretty good marriage what is your rating on this eric accident man hit man's holiday this is a three-star banger if you're in for this sort of thing you're gonna love it if you're not i I don't know what to tell you i guess uh you start loving scott atkins like i do i don't know what's wrong with you (laughs) what about you bruce what's your rating on Um, i am exactly the same i'm a three-star banger if we're saying what three-star bangers are like you know it knows what it is and it's it and it does it well i think that's what this movie is i would also just slightly disagree in that you know me i'm not Really, this is not my genre so much, but well, first of all, Scott Atkins has been kind of hitting out of the park for me as kind of a lay action person. And I think this could have a little more broad appeal because like I said, it is almost like a, a really fun, almost video game movie with action. It's a little more accessible, I feel like, than some action movies might be. And like you said, the showiness of it might make it a little more accessible too. People can easily grab onto this. I think it's a lot of fun. Okay, that is Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday in theaters, digital and on demand. Headlined by Scott Atkins again, that, and that's on Friday, October 14th. You can watch it in so many different, different ways. Should be really cool. Three-star banger for both Eric and Bruce. What's up, listeners? Force 5 is a show about movie-related top five lists, hosted by me, Blacklist screenwriter and ex-video store cinephile Jason Kleberg. I have a new guest on each week, and the guest gets to pick the topic. 
Past guests have included film directors, screenwriters, actors, critics, comedians, rappers, artists, and other podcasters. Love or hate our picks, you're guaranteed to walk away thinking, what would be on my list? Search Force 5 wherever you get your pods or head to force5podcast.com. Now we're off to do The Loneliest Boy in the World. Very easy to, to explain this one. Max Harwood, he plays, yes, the aforementioned Loneliest Boy in the World. He's an orphan. His dad died some years back, I believe, and he just recently lost his mother because I don't even want to say how he lost the mother, but it has to do with a garden, a garden gnome. Okay. Because of that, he is, he's by himself in his house and he has a couple of social workers played by Evan Ross and Ashley Benson. They come to his house, I guess, almost on a weekly basis or twice a week at least. And they check up on him and they tell him he has one week to actually find a friend. Sounds like a cockamamie plot. It gets even more cockamamie. He has one week to find a friend. If he does not find a friend and if he's still lonely, they're going to have to put him back in the sanitarium or the hospital where he came from because he was a little bit mentally unstable as well. And maybe they, they're, trying to look out for his best interests. That is a challenge. So what what does he do? Does he try to befriend people in his local town? There's a girl he meets on a bench and he tries to have a conversation with her. She'll probably show up later. Ultimately, there's a couple of grave diggers who could be his friend. There's also maybe a couple of bullies. Maybe they might turn out to be nice guys. Basically, there are real living, breathing human beings within his area that he can actually be friends with, have them over for tea or whatever, and then prove that he's not so lonely and stay in the house. Nope. He actually digs up dead bodies in a grave and he plants them in his house, literally on the couch. There is a family. There is a young black woman. She ends up being his surrogate mother. There is a a freewheeling man, and he turns out to be sort of his surrogate dad. And they have this weird, not atomic family, a zombie-like family, helping him become sort of a turn from a boy to a young man, a brave young man. That is a premise of The Loneliest Boy in the World. It is a very kooky movie, comedy at its heart. There are some, it's not gory, it's a zombie movie. So there's going to be fingers missing here. There's going to be f- the face, the faces don't look so good and et cetera, et cetera. So if you like that, you might enjoy parts of The Loneliest Boy in the World. But the idea of a movie is not just to enjoy the parts, it's to enjoy the whole experience of the movie. This movie is directed by Martin Owen, who Bruce and Eric, they know his work very, very well. Bruce, The Loneliest Boy in the World, it goes for a, a lot of different tones. Ultimately, it's a drama about growing up did this hit for you on a on a base entertainment level well on a base entertainment yeah yes and no i i really wanted to love it more than i did i guess is kind of my general vibe for this movie this is a movie like on paper should be exactly my movie like if i were just to describe what happens in this movie i should be like yeah this is absolutely cool i love what it's going for and the weirdness and the the weird ways it goes and it has levels of grossness and it has levels of kind of i guess whimsy or something going on something about it just doesn't quite gel for me i don't it's the tone or if it's the art direction or something about it just isn't quite the way i I, i'm having a hard time with this one this is a movie i could imagine a young tim burton knocking out of the park not today tim burton but young like beetlejuice era tim burton i could imagine this being like perfect for him this just felt like the tone was a little in between what it needs to be. It either needs to be even lighter and even more outlandishly whimsical or even darker and even a little more dangerous and a little more creepy and weird. I never know where my foot quite is, which which world it's in. Because, for example, you get your main character, Oliver. Like, I really don't know why he is as weird as he is. Like, I don't quite know what his deal is. Uh, and, and the actual events that happen are so preposterous and pseudo-magical that you makes you constantly asking yourself, like, uh, is he just imagining all of this? Is it all actually happening? Is is there just a magical world that he lives in? If so, 
No one else seems to notice that it's magical. I say it's it's like a, a really awesome swing, but kind of a miss for me. What about you, Eric? What is was this a miss for you as well? It certainly wasn't a miss, but I totally get where Bruce is coming from. Look, I didn't know this was a Martin Owen movie when I saw it, and uh, like the first half of the movie, I'm watching this going, "Oh wow, this is like a totally sign off on the the Tim Burton aspect." It's like this is, this looks like a Tim Burton movie. Like he kind of got back in the swing of things, so this is exciting. But it also had like a Wes Anderson vibe to it and i'm not a wes anderson so i'm like wes anderson fan so i'm watching this going wow this is my favorite wes anderson movie (laughs) but but at some point it it probably passed the halfway mark where it kind of turns into like an 80s teen wolf bully picking up like the bully things throughout the entire thing but it it kind of loses that weird tim burton wes anderson vibe to it and goes into like an 80s comedy about a kid getting picked on that kind of lost me a bit and then it brought me back to then uh just because i love the character so much the family dynamic of it was fun this was kind of hit and miss throughout the whole thing the stuff i liked i fucking loved and then the stuff i didn't like i was like i was gonna we don't have to go you know <laughs> we could probably cut that scene out altogether maybe redo it or something it's kind of a little uneven overall i did like it and unlike bruce i i did like the uh changing of tone the tone was like all over the place but i just kind of i was kind of there for it and this has a really kind of uh, greg you mentioned a garden gnome earlier <laughs> like it, it's got clever stuff like that yeah uh, overall i dig this one uh you know probably put it in the oven a little bit longer and i would have loved it but as it is, yeah, good stuff. Probably not going to be for everyone, but I think there's going to be a couple of people that probably feel kind of close to us where it's like, oh yeah, there's some good stuff in there. I would recommend this movie. It's a mild recommend for me. Here's the thing. The loneliest boy in the world. I really like Max Harwood, the lead actor, because I saw the the Prime Video musical, Everybody's, I believe, talking about Jamie last year, and he's fantastic. He's a talented young actor, and I definitely want to see any movie that, st- that is headline or stars Max Harwood, I'm going to see, just because of Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Really love that film. And I liked his performance as Oliver in this movie. He's very good as anchoring the narrative. Also, his quasi-friend in this movie, or maybe love interest, who knows? Chloe is her name, played by Tallulah Haddon. She's very good. I like their chemistry. I like their moments. There should have been more to me with within both more Tallulah Haddon and more Max Harwood. More moments with his family. Like Eric was saying, he liked the family dynamic of this movie. The, the zombie family was, in my opinion, the most interesting part of this movie. Just his interaction with the family members. And I wish there were just a little a couple more scenes devoted to that devoted to his his uh, friendship his burgeoning friendship or who knows relationship with Chloe all of these things are really good elements and they make me mildly recommend this film what didn't work for me was the social workers played by Evan Ross and Ashley Benson they I know they it's sort of a subplot but they could the writer or whatever they could have punched that one up a little bit more they just felt like it just felt like an extra subplot that I didn't need I they weren't funny to me I, I just it didn't work for me that did not work for me whatsoever but overall Towards the end, I, I enjoyed the ending where it went with the storyline as far as the coming of age of Oliver. So overall, I would give this a mild recommend of three stars. And what about you, Bruce? Um, I'm pretty close to you still. And like I said, I, I really didn't quite put me over the edge. And actually listening to you talk makes me think like, you know what? I really liked the stuff best that you liked as well. And I almost imagine almost like the Adams Family or the Munsters, right? 
this weird family that the rest of the world is all totally normal and they're really weird. That that stuff I think is great. I'd probably go two and a half stars. Two and a half on this. Okay, cool. What about you, Eric? The dog's barking in the background and that reminded me of my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> the, demon do- the demon dog, yeah. is a little, what, what was his name? Ninja or something like that? Yeah. I love the characters. I love the family dynamic. I, I love the chemistry between him and, and the uh, love interest. I'm kind of with you on, I, I don't mind the social workers, but that and the bullies, like, I think if you took those two subplots away and added more family dynamic and more of his budding relationship, I think it would be a lot stronger in that regard. Oh, we didn't even mention his relationship with his mom, who's not in most of the movie. Right. It was really well uh, done really well. That last scene, I think it's the last line. I'm not going to say what the last line is, but what just someone knows what's going on. We just kind of, the stuff I love about this is like five star stuff. And the stuff I don't like, is probably like two and a half star stuff. But I, I'm going to split the difference, go three and a half. But yeah, I would recommend that. I, I think this is going to be a movie some people are really going to like and some people are going to be turned off by. Normally, that's a three star. This is not quite three star banger, but we'll go three and a half. Okay. So three and a half stars for Eric Holmes, two and a half for Bruce Perky, and three for me for The Loneliest Boy in the World out in theaters October 14th. And, and most people will be able to watch it on October 18th when it hits pretty much all VOD platforms. So tell us what you think of The Loneliest Boy in the World and tell us if you think if the movie worked for you. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer 1, trailer 2. Final trailer? I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. All That's right. awesome. You're going full Danzig. Right, I am. My, my trans yeah, has no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to our recommendations, let's get into our director spotlight with James Bridges, Urban Cowboy, and Perfect. How long have you known of James Bridges, Eric, as far as his movies? You've seen also Bright Lights, Big City. Were you always a fan, or this was just because both of these starred with John Travolta, you wanted to pick these? So, Urban Cowboy was a staple growing up. I, I watched that. I can't even count how many times I've seen Urban Cowboy, but I didn't know who James Bridges was because I'm a kid, and like the idea of like the names that pop up at the opening credits or in credits, like they didn't mean anything to me because i don't know what a director is i don't know what a producer is writer i could probably figure it out but that didn't make much sense to me either um, so i just love the movie urban cowboy bright lights big city i remember uh watching that uh, a long time ago and then probably a couple years ago at the last time i saw it i remember that being a big deal for michael j fox when that came out i don't think it was until recently like within a couple of years ago that I saw the China syndrome where I'm like, Oh, this is the same guy that did uh urban cowboy. Oh, this is the same guy that did. That's when I started piecing together who uh, James Bridges was. And by the way, China syndrome, Holy crap. You want to talk about a good fucking movie. That movie is fucking awesome, but we're not talking about China syndrome today. Yeah. The James Bridges, like, I found out who he was very late, like a couple years ago, like just kind of pe- finally piece it together. And I'm looking at his filmography and all the movies of his that I've seen. I'm like, this guy's pretty good. And then so, so this is more, uh, this is another kind of discovery, half discovery, half well-worn, well-worn trail for me. Okay. The plot line for Urban Cowboy is, but as a young man from the country who learns about life and love in a Houston bar, that Houston bar is named Gillies, very iconic bar. And yeah, Bud is played by John Travolta. One of the main patrons of Gillies is a woman, young woman named Sissy, played by Deborah Winger. Iconic performance. We mentioned Sarah Chang almost stealing that show in that Accident Man movie. In my opinion, 
Sissy. Uh, Deborah Winger as Sissy steals the entire movie. She's so fantastic. Also starring in this film is Scott Glenn as Wes Hightower. He ends up being part of a um, love triangle or love quadrangle in this movie. He's a guy who actually catches Sissy's I, due to some kind of mechanical bull riding as well, because he's pretty good at that. He's also pretty good at a lot of bad things, as well as we learned in the movie. There's also Mickey Gilly playing himself, Bonnie Raitt's in it. There's a, and, and yeah, so some really good character actors in this movie. Of course, Barry Corbin is also memorable as Bob Davis. I believe he's Bud's uncle who lets him stay with him during his stay in Houston. This movie runs two hours and 12 minutes. Yeah, this is a long movie if you're not invested in the characters and you're thinking, how am I going to watch 132 minutes of a guy in a bar trying to romance a girl and it's just mechanical bolts? What? Oh, I also forgot to mention Madeline Smith is in it as well. She's part of that quadrangle or quattro, whatever, the foursome. She's very good in this movie too. So yeah, it ended up being a very interesting watch. It didn't feel like a waste of 132 minutes. Bruce, do you agree with me on this? Or did you feel that this was a little bit more of a slog than I did? Oh, I wouldn't call it a slog. That's for sure. I would say that it definitely is a little longer than it needs to be because I think this is the era when if you're going to have a song on screen, you're going to have the whole song on screen. If you're going to have a dance sequence on screen, you're going to have the whole dance sequence on screen. If you're going to have multiple multiple bull riding episodes, you're going to have the whole multiple bull bull riding episode on screen. So all that stuff could probably be cut down. But for the people who love bull riding and honky tonks and country music, I mean, this is just more feast for the table. For those who don't, it's fine. The song will be over soon and you can get back to the story, but is the story that really keeps you going in this and the ridiculousness. Now I say ridiculousness in the, in the best way. This is melodrama. This is high melodrama. This is country poverty porn where everyone's a tourist. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's the one character we have, the woman who's like his de facto, I guess, second crush. And she's kind of like the rich girl who wants to be into the cowboy scene and kind of be a cowboy groupie sort of. This whole movie is kind of that. This whole movie is kind of like, this is what country life is like, right? (laughs) Let's go see honky tonks and trucks. But it doesn't feel very authentic in that way. But it's still lots of fun because it's ridiculous, but in really good ways. I'll I'll give an example without hopefully spoiling it. If you think this is spoiling it, Eric, call up and and you can have it stricken from the record. But there's a scene where one character has a really, really meaningful moment with another character. And then the other character leaves and gets hit by lightning, like almost right away. (laughs) I'm like, like, what movie does that? So yeah, it's not boring. I put it that way. And it is a little bit long, but eh, it's not going to hurt it. It's not going to hurt your enjoyment, I guess I would say. It looks really good too. looks great. And I would also agree, Deborah Winger for Miles in this movie. Is it a terrible example of what you should accept in a relationship? Yes, in every (laughs) single way. Because her choice is like, which guy will beat her up least? That's kind of her choice in this movie. Yeah, but Deborah Winger brings so much to this character. Yeah, she's so, she's good. So yeah, a lot of bad choices by Sissy, but I couldn't take my eyes off her. And it's not just because of that bull riding sequence. It's her entire performance in the film just... Pretty much, I I think it outstrips Travolta and Scott Glenn, and that's not an insult because both Travolta and Glenn are very good in this movie. Eric Holmes, you've seen this way more than Bruce and I have. Your thoughts on rewatching it again? It's like an old friend to me. Um, (laughs) An old redneck domestic violence riddled (laughs) friend. 
I mean, the the last line last line in the movie is uh, "I apologize" all the way back to when I hit you the first time. Pretty much encapsulates what this movie is. The characters in this is almost like watching a train wreck. Like I cannot believe they're doing this. I can't believe they're staying in that relationship. I can't believe that they're still with these people. And then you got uh, Scott Glenn as Wes Hightower, who's like a super monster because like you have to have him be worse than everybody else who are already pretty much deplorable people or like you know victims pretty much like like, you know cowering for their lives the whole time you got a bunch of you got a bunch of great one-liners now you gotta learn something there's just certain things a girl can't do name one i could name several pissing on the side of the wall getting laid while your (laughs) pants are still on that was such a funny uh, yeah god damn bud y'all live like pigs There's if you like country music, um, which you know, as some people, I'm like kind of hit and miss. I but I do love the soundtrack on this. This is hard. This is hard for me because this one's so ingrained in my DNA. As far as uh, movies, I did not uh, learn. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I did not pick up any uh, ways to uh, deal with people um, as a uh, positive. Uh, Even as a kid, I'm like these people are fucked up. Um, But (laughs) yeah, this is. uh, I'd almost call this a dark comedy because like a lot of this is really funny to me but the situations that they're in is just fucked up like just yeah like this is domestic redneck domestic violence the movie pretty much the ending is also very interesting i I love the way the ending played out it's tense and if if you've never seen urban cowboy before you don't know how things work out it's really well done like that as well yeah there's so many things to like about this movie really good performances for me this is a solid four star rating for urban cowboy what about you bruce i'm actually gonna go three star banger on this movie i think like we talked about before this movie knows what it is you could criticize in a lot of ways but if you go in with the right attitude i think actually what eric said too is really right if you go out the attitude is kind of almost like a comedy whether intentional or not and i think you could make a case for either you'll probably really enjoy it quite a bit more than if you go in for like a gritty drama <laughs> I think that, so yeah i'm three star banger on this movie okay what about you eric oh geez i mean the fact that uh bud went after was hightower because he hit sis or uh pam but yeah this is a 6.9 star for me (laughs) fair yeah fair fair okay so that's urban cowboy yeah this is actually as we're recording this not available for stream you have to rent or purchase it or or whatever but it's worth a rental for me i really enjoyed this movie a lot yeah eric but let me clarify i don't give it a 6.9 because bud hits someone i give it 6.9 because bud hit someone or uh, someone hit them and Bud wanted to go beat them up when he does the exact same fucking thing. Yeah, it's, it's a weird. There's a lot of conflicting I, situations. I, I am not no else domestic gets to hit violence me. at all. It's like no one else gets to hit my woman. That's what I'm saying. Basically. This is such a fun movie. I, I, I'm watching this and I go, oh my gosh, I really love this music. Like Eric was saying, the music's really good. And I go, all this movie needs now is Lion Eyes. And cut to Lion Eyes is playing in the background. Okay, okay. And it's got Boss Gags in there. uh, Who doesn't love a soundtrack with Boss Gags? Boss Gags, yeah, we love Boss Gags. Okay, so that is Urban Cowboy. 6.9 stars for Eric Holmes. That's his highest rating. And Bruce gives it a three-star banger. That's a compliment. And I give it four stars. Now, will the same amount of stars be reserved, be given to Perfect? Okay, Urban Cowboy was released in 1980. Again, directed by Jeff Bridges. And Perfect, again, starring James Travolta and directed by James Bridges. This is their latest collaboration, their last collaboration together. 1985, John Travolta is a Rolling Stone journalist who goes out to LA. He goes out to the coast to research a health club out in Santa Monica. And he wants to do a profile how, I guess, gyms or workout places are the meat market of the 80s. It's the way a lot of 
boomers are meeting and finding their their true loves or just their hookups. And one of the people he wants to interview is the lead of that gym. She's a female aerobics instructor played by Jamie Lee Curtis. And a lot of the movie deals with the relationship between the journalist, Adam, played by Travolta, and also Jesse, the aerobics instructor, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Supplanting mechanical bull riding and country music and dancing, you have Jamie Lee Curtis in copious amounts of dancing. If you like seeing people doing aerobic dances, and then ultimately Adam, played by Travolta, doing these aerobics as well, and who knows, maybe you love Staying Alive, maybe you love Saturday Night Fever, you're going to like, these are essentially dance numbers, right? So that's a big highlight of this movie. If you want to see Jamie Lee Curtis grind it out, and just on a Hollywood history level, this is a must-watch right? As well as Travolta sweating it out. And it feels like a time capsule from the 1980s. Would love to hear what Bruce, perfect. <laughs> Was it perfect for you? Well, no, it's not perfect, uh, but in its own way, it is kind of perfect. So I, you actually kind of stole my thunder a little bit. I was going to say, yeah, if you replace country songs with Berlin songs and uh, other Masquerade. New, wave, new wave songs of the era. I love Masquerade, by the way. Great That's song. a great song. Great, got great played song. twice. It must be good in this yeah. movie. If you take the dance routines and replace that with male strippers and John Travolta pelvic thrusts, then uh, yeah, you got that. And oh, the whole song, the whole once again, whole song, we'll do the whole song and the whole routine. And if you're place um, uh, spousal or friend abuse or boyfriend or girlfriend abuse with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis leaving uh, John Travolta in the dust and driving away multiple times, then you got it. You got the same same thing going. This Talk about high melodrama. This is the next next level high melodrama. But this is further into camp, I think. I think this 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 puts a toe strongly into camp, whether it intends to or not. It, it has to be seen as pretty campy now. Some of the stuff with, is it Jan Winner? Is that the, the Rolling Jan Stone Winner, dude yeah. Yeah. that plays the Rolling Stone dude in this? Look, he's not that bad as that guy. He's pr- no, he's pretty good. Yeah. But the, <laughs> so the, the plot points of this are, are fantastically ridiculous. They make no sense. You, you can't follow this for logic. You're either following it because of the charisma of your main actors and just kind of the, the kitschy 80s-ness of it through and through. I will call out Lorraine Newman is, is really from SNL. Is, is has a really kind of a interesting little subplot uh, in this movie as well. But, and she's and, good, by the way, in this movie. She's good as a, what, the lonely heart is. woman who's... right. A, she, she's the most what quote most used piece of equipment in the gym that's what they how yeah. they oh my gosh it's so wrong this movie it's, wants to be it thinks of itself as kind of like the importance of uh, you know, journalistic integrity that's kind of the 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 subpinning of this movie where it's not it's just not what this movie really is about um it's preposterous uh it's it's silly it's fun yeah i don't know what else to say it's, it's there's a subplot about like you said journalism about a guy who is this very powerful figure who is selling computers to people in Czechoslovakia. <laughs> yeah. And he has ultimately John Travolta's character. He's trying to get an interview with this guy. It's about computers and whatever. That was just take that entire thing out. <laughs> that was so n- unnecessary and ridiculous and oh, stupid. And the little, the little bow tie at the end is what? Why? Why is that happening at the very the, end? It's so silly, but whatever. Yeah. The ending sequence, we were talking about urban cowboy, how, it, it was tense. The ending sequence in Perfect was literally a come down from the rest of what I've seen. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? Maybe I'm, I ended up really liking it. Who knows? Or kind of liking it at the end. Eric, your thoughts on Perfect? Uh, the zombie dogs are going at it again. Um, <laughs> so if you describe this movie to me, um, I probably wouldn't be into it. Uh, to, like aerobics and blah, blah, blah. As I'm watching it, I'm like, I'm in. 
pretty much the entire time. It's got some, uh, it's got some blowout kind of uh, DNA to it. Uh, probably with, like with a uh, blowout where, you know, John Travolta is like going around recording sound. Uh, this one is journalistic, not the same thing, but kind of, kind of similar. Um, Blots definitely the, the better movie of the two, but I, I did like, uh, the, the journalistic angle to this as the movie went along. I'm loving. Okay. It, it's been a week and my brain doesn't work. I remember almost sex scenes, but they're. I don't recall no, an actual sex no, scene. No, they weren't. No. But I do recall a sex scene in the aerobics class. That right, wasn't actually a sex scene, <laughs> yes. but it yes. was totally a sex. Scene. I mean, it's it's worth it just for that. It's worth it just for that. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you just kind of see uh, John Travolta in the the aerobics class. He's like thrusting his hips, and then it cuts to Jamie Lee Curtis, and she's like swinging her hips. I'm like, they're totally fucking. They're like they're like twenty feet apart from each other, but they're totally fucking. This is awesome. <laughs> Um, and then at the end, it gets courtroom drama. Then I'm yeah. like, I fucking love <laughs> this ridiculous. movie. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I was. Yeah, I I give it points because it was a block away from where I used to live. But that's the only reason why I give the LA County courthouse thing any kind of props. There is, a, by the way, listeners. There's a scene. There's, there's a 40 second scene in Morocco that never gets picked up again. <laughs> it's in Morocco. I'm in Morocco. Why? There's just some, there's a lot of, you know, when people say, know your why, there, I was, I was not knowing my whys throughout the entire watching of Perfect. So, Eric, I, I butted in. What, what else do you want to oh, say no, about Perfect? Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. This, so this, is, this is like, a, a, I don't know. It, it, oh, this, this is a weird movie because like the, if I'm describing, like have, having Eric, having seen it, describing this to Eric hadn't seen it yet. Like just on paper, looks like I don't want to watch this movie. I mean, the courtroom drama part sounds cool, but like this doesn't seem like my type of movie at all. But as I'm watching it, I'm just kind of I'm dialed in. You know, I, I like uh, John Travolta's character, like uh, as the the journalist. Journalist, thank you. The journalist, kind of seeing how that that plays out. Like, uh, you know, the behind the scenes stuff of oh, you gotta get the story. Uh, maybe it's not that important. Like the that that whole thing was kind of weird. Where like he's trying to get Jamie Lee Curtis. You know who is the most interesting character in this movie? The 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 girl the most used blah blah blah. Well, that, Lorraine that, good, that, good. and Salvo and a Salvo as a photographer in her several scenes yeah. was very interesting. So who was who was the who was the most who, who was that the and the and a Salvo the photographer Salvo. yeah. That part was awesome. So when, when they're at the party and he's talking to her, and then you get like uh you get like really deep insight in just like a little tiny part of the movie of mm-hmm. just kind of what would normally just be a background character. I really loved her character. Like her character was like kind of uh in any other movie, she's like the the character that's kind of mostly com- comic relief, I suppose. Or but forgettable. Just, uh, yeah. No. You know, just kind of a throwaway character, but they had just that. That's a really good example of where you can really make a character shine. Just the by- only problem is the forgettable part of this movie are the leads. The, the, the interesting parts were those, all those little Lorraine Newman and DeSalvo, Jan Wenner, however you pronounce his name, all these little things, all these little incidentals. Maybe the the cop the computer that John Travolta was working was more interesting. Uh, the word uh, processor. The, the MS DOS prompt that he was on was more interesting than Jamie Lee Curtis or John Travolta in this movie. There is Eric to your point. There is that crotch sequence that I'm just I'm going to recommend because people have to watch it just to say they've watched it. But yeah. it seems like Eric, you liked it a lot more than me and Bruce probably. 
Yeah, it did. And and by the way, the the thing's cheesy as fuck. Like it, everything mm-hmm. you guys are saying is completely accurate. But like the little gems, like throughout the the them fucking, but they're not fucking, but they're totally fucking. The uh, mm-hmm. uh, insight into that the one character and and just like a couple lines, like it's just one tiny scene and you get like so much character. That I think mm-hmm. like you cut out that little tiny scene of her talking to John Travolta and give it to screenwriters and go fucking study this 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 is how you build character with almost nothing let's get your rating on perfect i will go this is not my favorite james bridges movie but i would totally watch this again i'm gonna have to go four stars cool Four stars. Sexine might make me want to go four and a half. We'll, we'll go four stars. Okay. What about you, Bruce? I think that I think this is going to be more fun for people who haven't seen a lot of '80s movies and like to watch '80s movies for fun. I think this might be more fun. So I think this is a three-star aerobics, almost banger, not banger. That's what this is. <laughs> okay, three stars for Bruce. banger. <laughs> four stars three star for air banger. <laughs> four stars for Eric. Three stars for Bruce, and a gener- generous one star for me. I mean. I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying my best. I was honestly going to give this movie just a big fat zero because I hated it so much. I hated Perfect. Perfect was horrible. Perfect is like uh, no, I was going to say some bad things, but no, one star. James Bridges. I did like Urban Cowboy though, but crotch sequence and DeSalvo, Lorraine Newman, one star for them. Everything else gets a big what fat zero. What about the liquid nitrogen ice cream making scene? Didn't you like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, there's that Car- there's a Carly C- Simon sequence. I, I thought that was cute. There's yeah. The ending, they needed a screenwriter to, to just really make that ending a lot better. But yeah, I was like, yeah, I guess, that, that was a little limp, I guess. <laughs> I've had that said to me so many times in my life, <laughs> and maybe I deserve it because I give movies like Perfect One Star. My bad on that. Again, Eric, four stars, and Bruce, three stars for Perfect. Now, as we're recording, not streaming. I thought it was on Paramount Plus. It's not. You have to purchase it or rent it on YouTube or whatever VOD platform you have. Obviously, Bruce and Eric recommend you do. I recommend you see Urban Cowboy instead. Now, let's go to our recommendations. Recommendations. Eric Holmes, A Trip to Infinity, some mind, mind-expanding mind documentary about infinity or infin- is it infinity level thinking or is it infinitesimal, A Trip to Infinity on Netflix? Well, this is uh, a documentary. It's just like a hair over an hour. Probably. 79 it's, minutes. Yeah. yeah. Well, nine of those minutes is credits. Mm. So yeah, it's it's not very long. Uh, does, certainly doesn't go on for infinity, but um, <laughs> um, but it's uh, directed by Jonathan Halperin and Drew Takahashi, and I believe Drew Tak. So this is mostly animated, and I believe Drew Takahashi is yeah. the lead animator as well. This is just uh, basically a bunch of interviews with uh, different scientists and mathematicians talking about infinity. And so like the first half of it, and then uh, that's, they have animation to go along with it to kind of uh, visualize the concepts that they're bringing out. So the first half of it was kind of, you know, just a bunch of thought experiments that I've heard a million times. And I'm kind of like, this is not okay. This is science 101 pretty much. But then they start getting into where is infinity like where in nature can we find infinity and then start getting into deeper concepts like multiverse you know multiverse hypothesis i guess hesitate to call them theories but maybe they are i i don't i wouldn't know by the way i'm not a scientist (laughs) i'm an idiot podcaster so uh not like my smart podcasters, Greg and Bruce. I'm the idiot one. But, <laughs> um, uh, I don't say, I, I don't call myself smart. Uh, Bruce is a smart one out of all Greg, of us. Yeah, Greg, so. I'm being nice. 
Okay, <laughs> thank you. Compliment. Thank you. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take the lie. But uh, so basically in the second half of this is when they start getting into like like really mind trippy stuff. I did the uh, Baraka on shrooms. This is probably the movie I should have done on shrooms because I, I started going down a mental rabbit hole after the second part. Like they started talking about like the multiverse like and, and this is this is an old idea too. If there's a multiverse, then ideally there's or you know, theoretically, there's an infinite amount of possibilities. Therefore, what I'm doing right now, what you're hearing right now, what you're doing, listening to me right now ha- is happening in infinity times because there's infinity everything. And then I started thinking, it was like, well, if matter can be in an infinite amount of distance away, because that that's how that would have to happen. That's in the multiverse. That's like way over there. Mm-hmm. There's got to be like, me right here. And if infinity exists, there's got to be me doing exactly what I'm doing infinite distance away. And then I was like, well, can something be infinitely close to each other? And then I started thinking like space time of like, we're traveling through space time. And so like, I'm infinitely closer to myself, like an infinite plank distance away or however you would describe that again i'm not a scientist uh i'm just <laughs> i'm just kind of uh you know coming up with this bullshit and if you want to uh email me at hamslime at gmail.com you can uh, email me and tell me what an idiot i am and i will uh respond i agree <laughs> but uh yeah it, it just got me thinking of like a bunch of different thought experiments and Kind of had fun playing in my own brain after watching this. And then just went on YouTube and started looking up shit about black holes and infinity, SciShow, space time, like all that stuff. And there's a Nobel Prize winner this year that won for quantum physics. This actually really makes sense with uh, what they're talking about in infinity. Good on them for that. The first half, I think, if you're into this kind of thing, the first half's going to be kind of like, then they're done that. The second half's going to be where they start really leaning into some ideas. But again, most of it's thought experiment stuff. So I wouldn't take it too seriously but it got my it turned my brain on certainly okay eric what's your rating on a trip to infinity this is also three-star banger not the typical kind of three-star banger we get if you're into this uh sort of thing you're gonna dig it and if you're not then i don't know what to tell you okay three-star banger for eric holmes for a trip to infinity currently streaming as we speak on netflix next up is hbo max recent subscriber Bruce Perky, Over the Garden Wall. What made you watch this series? That's a series, Bruce. It takes time. It takes hours to watch this stuff, doesn't it? Was it worth it for you? Well, it only takes a little over 90 minutes. So that's that's one one thing in its advantage. So it's it's 10 episodes, but each, ep- each episode's like 11 minutes long. So it's not a lot of time investment. This is one I've heard for a few years in a row from the guys on Middle Class Film Class. I think specifically Joseph and Pete both love this and it's become like a Halloween tradition. And since I saw that it was available, once I got HBO Max, I thought I will give it a try since it doesn't require me to, to go in and watch you know, 10 hours of Dahmer. So <laughs> so anyway, this is this is great. This is really, really cool and really should be, I think for a lot of people, a, a great, it probably already is. I'm kind of late to the party. This is from 2014. Should be like a Halloween tradition. It's so fun and easy to watch. The basic concept of this, uh, first of all, it's created by Patrick McHale, who 
is also partly responsible for a lot of Adventure Time. He's not the, the creator of Adventure Time, but he had a lot to do with it. And also with Flapjack, if you ever watched that old um, cartoon as well. This is kind of his creation in, in whole. And I'll give you a few of the people. Elijah Woods plays, or Elijah Wood, plays the main character in this, which is Wirt. He's an older brother, kind of wears this like gnome-like hat and a little like a cape. And this is all animated, by the way, if you didn't guess. And he has his little brother with him. His little brother has a frog that he carries around and his little brother wears a teapot on his head and they are going through a mysterious forest at the beginning of the first episode and each episode like I said 10-11 minutes long they meet some other interesting character or world like one world they go to a place where a whole weird town kind of a Halloween-y town that has everybody that looks like they're pumpkin people or another place they're on a riverboat with frog people and every episode is that kind of thing and there's a creepy kind of undercurrent under everything there's weird songs that occur and everything and and also overall it's like a really wholesome and cute version of Dante's Inferno believe it or not and I was trying to sell it to Eric a little bit I don't know if he's really sold yet there is a strong Windigo aspect towards the last third of this series as well and there is a great there's a big reveal in the, in the ninth episode and that basically will recontextualize everything you've seen before then and then you have the final episode after that this is Great fun, super easy watch. I think has fantastic rewatchability, hilarious, well, cool songs. They're really fun and cool songs by really weird characters. A ton of quotable stuff in there. And I'm not going to quote it because it doesn't mean anything out of context, but the little brother is constantly being ridiculous. I would say if I were to sell this to you, if you liked shows like the ones I mentioned, uh, you know, Adventure Time and stuff like that, or if you really liked Gravity Falls, which I really loved Gravity Falls when that was out, I think this is something you should definitely, definitely check out. Okay. So how many stars do you give this? I think this is five stars. I think this is a wow. this is a, a classic Halloween family. You could it has just enough creepiness for adults and in inside stuff, but uh, kids can watch it too. It's not that scary. As for kids, what's the age range? Since I have a six year old niece, that is eight and um, up, nine and up. Yeah, I think in that range because there is some darkness towards the end there is definitely some threats there's a beast kind of a thing that is trying to get children so i think that could be a little scary to a little kid but it's not gory and it's not like violent there's no swearing there's nothing like that in here okay so that is over the garden wall five stars from bruce perky hbo max currently streaming looks good 11 minutes each with these episodes i think there's 10 episodes yes yes bruce one last thing Mm -hmm. i will mention just a few of the guest voices you hear in here just to get you interested a little bit extra uh christopher lloyd shirley jones John Cleese, Tim Curry. Okay, that should be enough. <laughs> Actually, the uh, Wendigo a... in 10-minute episodes is what sold me. Because <laughs> I, I saw you put that thing up. I'm like, Wendigo, cool. And I clicked on it. And I'm like, oh, geez, no, I'm not doing Dahmer again. <laughs> so I clicked right off of it. Yeah, it's so fast. You yeah. you it, it, you can watch three or four episodes. The next day, watch three or four. I mean, it's, it's not, no time at all. Sweet. I'll check this out. Oh, by the way, speaking of Dahmer, uh, we mentioned it on Cinematics, and I finished that for what it's worth. Stuck the landing for me. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Five five out of five as far as Dahmer goes. Five out of five for Dahmer. Whatever that, I think, is what is Dahmer the miniseries or whatever it's, it's called? It's like Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Not the documentary. Not the documentary. <laughs> not the. <laughs> I, I think yes. we're pretty clear on that, but... Uh, yeah. Yes. Eric and Bruce, Predator, 1987. How many stars would you give it? Bruce, Predator, 1987. That's a hard one because there's. it's kind of like Urban Cowboy for 
Eric, you know, it's got so much like nostalgia built into it. I, I think it's, I think it's probably now, if I looked at it realistically, it's probably four stars, yeah. but because of all of the stuff tied into it, it's gotta be five-star classic for me. Five-star classic for Bruce Perky, four stars for me, Predator. I don't have that nostalgia, but I do like John McTiernan. Four stars, not a pejorative. I still like that movie a lot. Maybe I have to re rewatch it and maybe I might even actually agree with Bruce. Eric Holmes, your rating on Predator 1987. Oh, that's, uh, that's classic status. I, I think it, uh, I think yeah, like five stars. And I've seen it relatively recently, like within the last year or two. Yeah, it's it's as good as I remembered it. Okay. Uh, there, I mean, there's a bunch of slack jawed effers, and I'm not talking fuck. Like, that, there's certain uh, languages dated as an action movie. In the jungle from the 80s looks awesome. Yeah, that is top tier, I think. Well, myself, I'm a slack-jawed effer myself, but you know who's not a slack-jawed slack effer is our buddy Peter Beta over at the Middle Class Film Class podcast. He's joined this week with his buddies Tyler and not Joseph this week. Joseph is replaced uh, temporarily by his uh, significant other, Brianna. She's one of the co-hosts this week on Middle Class Film Class, and they review the 1987 film Predator. So check out Middle Class Film Class this week and Tell us what you think of Predator. Tell us what you think of Middle Class Film Class. I was going to say The Boys. It's not The Boys this week. It's Brianna joining the the uh, Tyler and and Pete. While we're doing that, we're going to get to Bruce's What's in the Box in a second. But until we do that, let's have a musical interlude by Pete. Bruce, do the honors. Yo, Pete, drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, we're back with finally What's in the Box is finally upon us. Director Spotlight is behind us, at least for now. What do we got? Well, let's see. What do we have? What's in the box? Hello. I'm trying. I'm trying. I, I, I wrap these things up into too tight of little scrolls, and I can't open it. Bruce, have you ever heard of this group called Galaxy 500? I've been listening to them, too. They're amazing. Yes, I have heard of Galaxy 500. They're amazing. All right. <laughs> I am going to be watching... I don't even know what this movie is. Hmm. I don't even remember when I put it in the box. Oh, my goodness. Bull? Bull. Bull. Yes. 2019. Yes. By Annie Silverstein. Or Silverstein. Yeah. Silverstein, Silverstein. The reason why Bull is on your list is I put it there because ah. I, I really enjoyed that movie and it features an amazing lead performance from Rob Morgan. And this is, look, director's oh, spotlight Rob right Morgan. now. Yes. Yeah. He is a national friggin' treasure. I love him. I, he was in, I think, one of the, one of the last year's best movies. Do you remember Eric Holmes? What Rob Morgan movie was he, where he was in? One of last year's best. Believers and don't look up <laughs> and just mercy. Oh, and just mercy yeah. as well. Yes, very, very good. I, very I, good. I don't think he I was covered great just mercy on this, but yeah, no, he we was did really not. Good in that. He should have received an Oscar nomination. Do you agree with me on this? On just mercy, what do you think, Eric? I, I mean, he, he's he's probably one of those uh, guy needs to be in everything sort of movies. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Bull, and hopefully all three of us will be watching Bull, and hopefully some of you guys will check out Bull as well. Tell us what you think of Bull if you've already seen it. If not. Join us. Oh, actually, it might be available on Prime Video as we speak, Bruce. So it should be an easy watch yes. for all three of us. Yes. All right. That is it for episode 137. Any final comments, thoughts? Are you mad that I gave Perfect one star? You, Eric Holmes, you go first. No, I, I'm not mad at anything you do, Greg. Okay. In cool. fact, if I could give you a hug every day, I would. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And you too, Bruce. You don't feel oh. left out. It's all um, right. <laughs> 
but uh, I don't have much to say other than uh, I, I, I'm thinking of the trip to infinity. It's like if something's infinite distance away, okay. it should be Eric's, infinitely close. Eric's still in the science fiction mode, science mode with <laughs> infinitesimal yeah. to infinity infinitely and beyond. Clo- what does infinitely close mean? Do I go inside myself yeah. and back in time, but I'm not within that plane of existence, so I don't know? I'm no Einstein. I'm more of like a Hulu Halloween person. If you're into Hulu and Hulu, <laughs> Huluween, I, I apologize, listeners, you're going to be hearing Eric Holmes in in very in several days talking to some of the filmmakers behind what what Huluween project Eric Holmes what did you do these interviews for what was it oh it's it's for the bite sized Halloween yeah we got uh, twenty one interviews for twenty one shorts had to break the boycott to do this mm-hmm. but I also got twenty one different filmmakers so like if you if you're not watching Hulu or anything Disney related I would still check out the interviews because. There's a bunch of great filmmakers in there, and they also have like other shorts and other things they worked on that are equally as good. So I think uh, it's very important because these are not these are not well known filmmakers, but one of the good things about the bite size Halloween is that it kind of helps uh, lesser known filmmakers get out there. I don't like to do that myself, but I guess Eric does. Do you like to do that, Bruce? You like to spotlight lesser known filmmakers and talent that's un- under no, under no, what? No, no, no. 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 <laughs> terrible <laughs> idea. We 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 we, we hate only it. Michael Bay and uh, yes. Zack Snyder. That's only yes. ones that we talk. You hate about. me now. You hate me now, Eric? <laughs> I retract my hugs from earlier. But I'll give you two of them tomorrow. No, but if you want to hear, if you want to hear Eric's interviews with these really interesting and talented filmmakers for Bite Size Halloween, they have a whole bunch of diverse shorts on Hulu streaming right now. Watch them first in a couple of days on our Find Your Film podcast feed. Check out Eric's home interviews with all of these people. Now, Bruce, final thoughts on this episode. Well, you know, our episodes sometimes can teach you something. And I've learned myself from this episode that... um I'm going to keep, you know, I've, I've been keeping uh, little license plates with the names of all of my exes. I just keep them in my truck because you just never know when you'll be getting back with one of them and you can just put it up in that rear, you know, that rear window and you're good to go. <laughs> you know what? That is an image that, oh, right, right. That is an image from one of the movies we covered. If you I do not know. McDonald's again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that is a little bit of a hint from Eric Holmes. We'll see you next week on Find Your Film. Take care, guys, and have a w- great week watching movies.